It sure is. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of Lior, and you can email Lior at employmenthour dot com. We got a, a full hour of of good stuff here, my friend. This week, as we always start every week, some interesting stories and things that happened to you uh, in the office over the past week. The week that was, we'll kick That's off. That's right. right. Yes. Hi, John. Thank you, and uh, glad to be back here. Happy to talk about workplace rights. This is the show. Uh, we tell you things that you should know if you're working, you have worked, if you know someone that works, or maybe uh, you want to work. So uh, let's start with the week that was. A couple of things, a couple of situations that I dealt with uh, this week. Uh, as you know, John, in the past, I've always said that uh, if you're harassed in the workplace, if your boss is mistreating you, uh, if there's no record of that, you want to try to create that record, yeah. right? You want to try to maybe send an emails confirming what happened, make some notes, create that record. Well, uh, a radio listener, uh, one of our radio listeners did that. Uh, and she was being mistreated, being harassed, uh, being very, treated in a very unprofessional way by her boss. And sure enough, the boss knew better than to create a record of that, put the things in writing. So listening to our show, she decided to keep track of things smart. herself. Exactly. Very, very, very smart. So she uh, started recording in the little notebook when things happened, what was said, number one. Number two, she started sending emails to that boss confirming what happened, what was said in the meeting. and confirming our meeting today where you told me this. That's not appropriate. Literally Brilliant. sending some, something like uh, those types of emails. The boss never responded, didn't say anything, except what, what happened is the misconduct, uh, the bad treat, uh, uh, treatment escalated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at some point, this person called me and they said, you know, I'm being mistreated by my employer. Uh, what can I do? I don't want to go back to work. I can't sleep. I can't eat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about this whole thing. And what I said is what I've said before on the show is, you know, the problem we're going to have is proving this. And she says, well, I'm a step ahead of you. I've actually kept notes and I've sent emails and she sent me a little package with all the stuff that she had awesome. and it was you know, pure gold uh, for, for lack of a better term. So uh, what we did at that point is I told her, listen, given that treatment, I don't think you have an obligation to continue going back to work. That treatment itself is a constructive dismissal. Mm-hmm. I sent one letter to that employer enclosing some of the key documents asking for her severance. They responded back in the week full severance, no argument, and wish her the best in her future endeavors. Wow, no okay? kidding. So uh, so that just shows you how important it is to keep track, to have records. If you're mis- being harassed, mistreated, you'd never want it to be your word against someone else's. That's very, very difficult to prove, very difficult to do anything with. So keep records. Try to create that record yourself. Send emails confirming what happened. Have a diary, a log where you you log what's happened. And when you have that, you can pursue it. You don't have to be subjected to, to that treatment. You don't have to take it. You just need to be able to prove that you, you've actually been in that situation. It'd be interesting to know what happened to her boss if he wasn't the one who actually got that letter and, and put the severance package together. It was it, people above him. It was. And I, I don't know, but I would be shocked if this person wasn't fired. Exactly. And right. probably for cause. And if, if you're listening, don't call me. I can't help you. <laughs> That's right. What else happened? So, uh, second situation, very unique, probably the first time that I've ever dealt with this exact situation, but I think it's worth mentioning. Now, what's the rule, John, with um, fixed-term contracts? We know if someone's on a fixed—it's uh, a rhetorical question, don't worry. Good. Uh, if, uh, if someone's on a fixed-term contract, generally speaking, if they work till the end of the contract, they don't get either severance because mm-hmm. uh, they're on a fixed-term contract. Well, this person contacted me recently, was let go, and he was on a fixed-term contract. But he was on a 10-year contract. Wow. This comes out of our uh, Ottawa office. So he was on a 10-year contract from May 2005 to May 2015. So come May 2015, his employer is saying to, saying to him, okay, we're not going to renew your contract. Off you go. So long. Farewell. Have a good life. 
uh, and he sends it to me, and I look at it, and something is gnawing in the back of my mind. Well, then I remember what it is. There's a statute that no one almost talks about. It's called the Employers and Employees Act. Very obscure thing, but what it does is it says that a fixed-term contract cannot exist for longer than nine years. It cannot exist. That's a weird number. Yeah, I don't know why. I have no idea who drafted that, Mm -hmm. why it's on the book, but it's there. So what does that mean? That means that if you're entering into a fixed-term contract that's longer than nine years, it's not enforceable. It's as if it doesn't exist. You then become a regular full-time employee. Hey, now. I smell what's coming. So for this person, the effect of that is that contract that he signed 10 years ago doesn't actually have the effect of being a fixed-term contract. So now that he's being let go in May of this year, he gets severance. And he's a very senior position, older gentleman. After 10 years, he'd be looking at 14, 15, maybe as much as 18 months of severance. So uh, if you're signing one of those, for some reason you've signed a a very long fixed-term contract, longer than nine years, that actually may not be an enforceable contract, which could be a very, very good thing. Should you keep your mouth shut at that point? Uh, I would probably not rock the boat, right. yes, and, and call me when and, when and if that contract doesn't get renewed, and we see if we can help you at that point. Lots of more uh, to get through this afternoon. You want to hang on, give us an email. We'll get to some of those throughout the show. Lior at employmenthour.com will be the email address. In the meantime, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break, and uh, on the other side of the break, we'll get to uh, emails, and we'll get into stuff that, uh, well, common questions that you get, uh, we really don't need to be asked. That's right. We're dipping into your knowledge, and uh, we'll take a short break. The Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. <clears throat> you want to throw us an email, you can do so. It's Lior at employmenthour.com and 1-855-821-5900 is Lior's direct number. And we'll get into this. The, uh, the most common questions Lior gets that don't really need to be asked. Uh, let me start with this one. Uh, I was let go even though I did nothing wrong. Can my employer do that? Well, yeah, John. So that's one of the questions. But here's, here's what I mean by this. Questions that don't need to be asked. I get People calling me, emailing me every day with questions. That's wonderful. I encourage that. I, I, that's what I do. I'm happy to answer questions. A lot of those questions are situations where people are maybe concerned about things that they shouldn't be concerned about or they're concerned about the wrong things. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is go through these issues and kind of give you the answer to these questions and also tell you why some of these issues may actually be non-issues, even gotcha. though you may be concerned about them. So the first one, John, as you said, uh, the question may be, well, I was let go. I did nothing wrong. Can my employer do that? That's probably the most common question without exception I get in my practice. I was let go today. I did nothing wrong. There was no warning. There How was can nothing. they do this? How can they do this? That right. must be a wrongful dismissal. The reason why this may be a question, this specific question is one that doesn't need to be asked is because, as we've said on the show before, the law is very clear that an employer can let you go at any time for any reason. That doesn't have to be a good reason. That doesn't have to be a, a good warning as long as proper severance is paid. So what I always tell people when they call me very upset, understandably, that they've been let go, no reason, no, no proper uh, motivation for that, is, well, that's not the right question because... The answer to that question is they can do that. The yep. question is, did you get proper severance? At that point, I start inquiring about severance. And in most of these cases, as you know, and we've seen on the show uh, dozens and dozens of times, many of these people, most of these people are not offered proper severance. And that is the problem. So remember, they can let you go, unfortunately. Maybe they shouldn't be able to from an ethical, from a moral, from a business standpoint. But from a legal standpoint, an employer can let you go at any time 
as long as they give you proper notice or pay proper severance. Because we talked about two years ago, remember when we first started, and you know, your employer literally can come up and say, you know what, you drive a blue car, I'm not a fan of blue cars, I've got to let you go. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> it's, it's just, crazy, but they can yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly, right? and they can do that. That you know, Hopefully no employer would do exactly that, but if they did exactly what you've just said, John, that would be perfectly legal, as long as that employer pays proper severance. What the employer cannot do and say, well, wait a second, you drive a blue car, so we're going to let you go for cause and not pay you severance. <laughs> Uh, but certainly without severance all the time, they can do that. Sure. I laugh and I have a blue car. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. I was let go, but someone in a more junior position, they were kept on. Is that a wrongful dismissal? Yeah, and you know that kind of flows from um, that first issue, uh, from first question that we've talked about. Many people will say, well, wait a second, why me? I've, I've worked longer than the other people. Maybe I'm, I'm a better worker. Uh, I have more experience. How come they're letting me go and right. not someone else? Maybe they're paying me more than them and they want to save money. Is, is that wrong? So the same answer that in the first situation applies here as well. Not fair, perhaps, not right, maybe even unethical. But from a legal standpoint, yes, the employer can let you go and keep others, even though they're more junior than you, as long as they pay you proper severance. So generally speaking, that the reason, the motivation whether they want to save money or maybe they just like the other person better for whatever reason, doesn't factor in. Now, the exception to that is, of course, if the employer is letting you go because of your age. So I'm letting you go because you're 65 and I'm keeping the ones that are 35. Right. That's discriminatory. They cannot do that. An employer can never let an employee go for a discriminatory reason. Discriminatory means based on their age, based on their sex, their ethnicity, their medical condition. But otherwise, the employer can let someone go for any reason and they can keep someone else that may be less qualified if that's what they choose to do as long as severance is paid. And again, we're talking about non-union environment here. A non-union right? environment, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're right because it's very different. In a union environment, the employer has to follow seniority. Right. And many people think that that would apply in a non-union environment. No, an employer does not have to follow seniority in a non-union environment when it lets someone go. one 821 5900 That is Lior's number and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails very shortly, but moving on with the most common questions Lior gets that really don't need to be asked. And uh, I'll move on with this one. Uh, I was let go even though I did nothing wrong. Can I get EI? Yeah, and, and the answer to that is a resounding yes. If you've been let go, you did nothing wrong, automatically you get EI, and that's really never an issue. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult to get EI in these situations. Where it could become an issue is if uh, if you've resigned because of uh, maybe a constructive dismissal or for the employer's alleged cause. But if you, you've been let go without doing anything wrong, you're going to get EI. It's not an issue. You don't need a lawyer for that, by the way. You can apply. You're going to get it. Uh, it's not going to take long. It's not going to be very complicated. What often happens, though, John, someone may call me, as I've said before, yep. oh, I'm concerned about EI. I just lost my job. Can you make sure that I get EI? And I tell them, don't worry. You're going to get EI. You don't need me for that. But let's talk more about the severance that you've gotten. Right. And sure enough, it turns out that the amount of severance that they've received is not adequate, and oftentimes it's worth a heck of a lot more than what the EI is going to be. That should be your concern. So that should be your yeah. concern. EI is rarely a concern. Uh, it, it's, it's not something that you're going to be really uh, denied if you qualify for it. If a person was wrongfully dismissed from the workplace, can they take their employer to court? Yeah, so that's another question. You have been dismissed. Can I take my employer to court? The reason why you don't need to ask this question is because in most cases you don't need to take your employer to court. It's not a question of can you. Yeah, you can. It's a question of do you need to. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by you don't need to? Most of these disputes, if you've been let go and we're dealing with your compensation, do not and, and need not go to court. 
The reason for that, they are easy to resolve. They're very simple. In most cases, we can negotiate on behalf of the individual. No, you don't need to go to court if you don't want to. Going to court is not a fun thing. It's not a fun place to be in. So when someone talks about going to court, there's an assumption there that it's wrong. There's an assumption that the only way you can get your entitlements is going to court. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. And if you hear lawyers advertising, oh, you know, we're really good in court, you know why? I'd ask them, why are you so good in court? Is it because you don't know how to resolve matters without going to court? Seriously. It's the worst thing that a lawyer can do for their client is go to court with them. Court is expensive. It's unpredictable. It takes a long time to get there. And it's there if you have to, 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 to do it. But it's something that someone should try to avoid. It's not that common. It's not common. In employment disputes, you almost never go there. 99% of the cases are going to resolve well before you go to court. So remember that. It's not about taking your employer to court. These matters can resolve very quickly, often with an exchange of a couple of letters. We'll get to more of the most common questions Lior gets that don't really need to be asked, and we'll uh, get right to some emails right after the break. In the meantime, one 821 5900 is Lior's direct number, and Lior at employmenthour.com for those emails. Lots more of the show coming up. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. I'll get into a few uh, emails here before we get back to our topic for this half of the show, and that is the most common questions Lior gets that don't really need to be asked. We'll go to uh, Stan. Again, the email address is Lior at employmenthour.com. Stan says, I was let go recently and uh, paid one week of severance for every year worked. How common is that? My employer says that this is all they owe me because that is what my employment agreement says. I don't have a copy of said agreement. What do I do? Very, very uh, good question. Actually, a very common question that I get. And then, you know, to set some of the background here as to why this issue may arise is an employer does have the right and the ability to enter into an employment agreement with the individual that would limit the amount of severance that the person gets. So if the person signs an employment agreement that limits the amount of severance, well, they may not actually get their full severance. So based on what Stan is saying in this email, it seems to me that the employer is saying that's what happened here, employee. We, at some point, signed an employment agreement. Uh, under that agreement, we only have to pay you a week's pay for every year of service, so that's what we're going to do. Now, if, in fact, that is true and that, that employee signed an agreement like that and that agreement is enforceable, it's possible that that's all Stan gets because otherwise Stan would get a lot more than a week for every year of service. But Stan says, I don't have a copy of this agreement. What do I do? Well, the simple answer is you ask for a copy. It's not very, very uh, problematic. An employer should have no problem giving you a copy of your employment agreement. Uh, I would simply say, you know, employer, I, I know that you've referenced my employment agreement. I'd like a copy for my records. Most of the time, the HR person is not going to have any problem giving you a copy of that agreement. Uh, so that's what I would do in, in, in Stan's situation. Now, once he has it, he needs to give me a call. I want to review it because it's quite possible, I would even say likely, that that agreement does not properly limit his entitlements. For an agreement like that that limits severance to be enforceable, it has to say certain things in a very specific way, in a very specific sequence. And if it Mm -hmm. doesn't say those things, it's not enforceable. So I want to see it to make sure that it is enforceable, or if it's not, he could get a lot more severance, even though he may have signed an agreement. So ask for it, and then give me a copy, and I'll review it. Let's take this back to uh, before, uh, just as an aside, before Stan got the job. And if you're entering into uh, a contract with an employee, don't worry so much about pay, right? And holidays, this is the type of thing you really want to have earmarked, right? It's, it's a big one, John. You know, how many times you, uh, you know people that have got an agreement and they're like, oh, you know, they offered me uh, 75000 I really want that 80000 or I really want the four weeks vacation instead of three. And that's, I understand why that's important. But what if you're at the same time that you're worried about that extra $5,000 a year, 
are signing an agreement that will cost you $100,000 at some point down the road because you've agreed to limit your future severance. Uh, So that's a huge, huge problem. That should be your number one focus. You want to have that job security. And if you have a term in the agreement that allows the employer to let you go at any time and pay you almost nothing, you don't have job security. So whether you're making seventy-five dollars or $80,000, uh, that may not last long. If you have the job security knowing that if you do want to let me go, I'm going to get my full severance, to me that's very valuable. Uh, and that's something people should be worried about. So please do not sign an employment agreement without understanding what it says. Give me a call. I can review it with you, tell you if there's something in it that's a problem, and, and help you uh, negotiate it if needed. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. By the way, that is Lior's number and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to a couple more emails here in uh, just a bit. We were talking about the most common questions Lior gets that don't really need to be asked. We're down to this one. How do I find out if my employer has a payroll of more than two and a half million? Why is that important? Yeah, and and it's actually not important. That's the thing, and many people think that it is. So the question is, uh, you know, does my employer have a payroll of more than two and a half million dollars? Why does that issue come up? Well. Uh, your minimum entitlements, the, the amount of minimum severance and termination pay that someone gets is contingent to an extent on the size of the company's payroll. So your minimum entitlements may be greater if your uh, company's payroll is more than $2.5 million. But the reason why that's not ultimately relevant, the reason why that question is not that important is because, generally speaking, people are, have entitlements that are far greater than their minimum, and the size of the company is not relevant when we're talking about a person's full entitlements. So when I talk to someone that has lost their jobs, I want to know what is their full termination severance entitlements. And the answer to that question is based on the three main factors that you know, age, position, and length of employment. The size of the payroll is not relevant. So I don't really care what the size of your employer's payroll is. It's not going to change, for the most part, what you're owed. Well, I'm concerned about saying if you sign an employment agreement, I'm concerned about your age, I'm concerned about your position, Mm -hmm. et cetera. The size of the payroll is not relevant. We're talking about the most common questions Lior gets that don't really need to be asked. This one before we break is, can I get my job back if I've been wrongfully dismissed? Yeah. You know, a lot of the people, John, that uh, call me, they don't call me about severance. They don't call me about their notice or the termination entitlements. They feel that they've been wrong. Most of the time, I, they, they have legitimate reasons to think that, and they just want their job back. Mm-hmm. I did nothing wrong. Can I get my job back? Well, the short answer is that unless you're part of a union, no, you, you really, there's no legal mechanism to um, get you your job back. There's no way to require the employer to let you go, even though if they may have let you go without a good reason. The only legal mechanism available is to get you severance, to get you compensation. So most people are not going to be able to get their job back. There's some exceptions. Some people that are uh, in the federal realm, uh, you know, banking, uh, telecommunications, there's a small, tiny little possibility of getting the job back, but even that's extremely rare. So for the most part, if you lost your job, it's not about getting your job back. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. It's about severance. Don't look back. Look forward. That's right. Move, Move on. on. Exactly. You got it. We'll uh, take a short break. In the meantime, the uh, email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. You can call him directly outside of show hours at one 855 821 More of the Employment Hour coming up. This is Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Going to be getting through a bunch of emails uh, this hour as they've been piling up over the last few weeks, so we'd like to get to them. It's Lior at employmenthour.com, and his number anytime is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Talking about uh, this whole show so far, the most common questions Lior gets that don't really need to be asked. The next one is this. Uh, if I go after my employer to get severance, is this going to hurt me in getting another job? Yeah, very common. People are going to be concerned about not just this 
severance that they're getting. You're going to be concerned long term. You know, I'm going to want to continue working somewhere else by asking for my severance, by trying to pursue that, by engaging a lawyer to help me get my severance. Am I going to hurt my career prospects? Is my my old employer going to try to hurt me from and prevent mm-hmm. me from finding another job? Uh, and listen, I've been doing this for a long time. I've helped thousands of people over those years, and I have yet to see a situation where that's happened. And and here's why. The best thing that can happen to your old employer, the one that you're asking uh, to pay you severance, the best thing that can happen is that you find a job immediately, today. And the reason for that is once you find another job, their severance obligations to you get reduced. So if they help you find a job, if you're able to find a job, they have to pay you less money. So they're going to be very motivated to, uh, to, uh, to have you work. And if they, in fact, do something that prevents you from working, it's going to hurt them as much as it's going to hurt you. So that's just not going to happen. In fact, what some employers do, they do the opposite. So when you ask for severance, they're going to say, as part of the negotiations, we're actually going to pay a service to help you find a, another job, outplacement counseling. Wow. Because we want you working right away so we don't have to pay you two, 24-month severance. If we can pay a service that's going to help you find a job in six months instead of in 24 months, that's good for us, for the old employer. So, no, the reality is you do not need to be concerned about uh, asking for severance, how that may hurt your career prospects. It's not going to hurt it. In fact, your old employer may help you for the sole purpose of trying to reduce their own obligations. Now, that's based if they don't give you a lump sum payment, correct? Either way. Really? Either way. Absolutely. Either way, uh, most employers, many employers are going to provide for outplacement counseling and they're going to be motivated. And And I've actually had employers that I'm negotiating with send me job postings to give to my client so that my client can apply for a job those places because they wanted my client to work so badly. You know? Because, yeah, because, oh, my God, now we understand we have to pay this guy all the severance. But if he finds a job quickly, we don't have to. Wow. So that's why you really don't have to worry about uh, your old employer trying to hurt your career prospects. It's not going to happen. Lior at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to one from Leah. says, I'm an office clerk and work for a construction company. Every year I get laid off in the winter and then come back in the summer. This year I have not been called back and my employer won't return my calls. What am I to do? Yeah, and uh, interesting situation. So. First of all, the layoff itself, I guess, is fine simply because she's, she says she's been laid off every year, and I guess it makes sense. She's in the construction business. She's laid off in the winter, comes back in the summer. Well, if this year, all of a sudden, she's not called back, her employer won't return her calls, well, there's one word for that, and that is termination. She's been terminated. Even though the employer hasn't said those words, hasn't sent her a termination letter, by not taking her back when it was supposed to, by not responding to her, that is a termination like any other. So that means she's owed severance. Uh, I, now, she, she's been uh, there for a while. I don't know exactly how long, but she gets severance based on the usual factors, age, position, and length of employment. And remember, John, just because she works for a construction company does not mean she doesn't get severance. In fact, she gets the same amount of severance as she would working for anyone else. So she needs to give me a call. I can talk to her and assess how much she's owed and help her get it. Are they assuming because it's seasonal work, they don't have to pay her severance or just because they're in the construction business? It wouldn't surprise me if they're assuming because they're in the construction business that they don't have to pay severance. A lot of employers, a lot of employees believe that. Remember, that is wrong. An employee working in the construction business gets severance, gets the same amount of severance as every other employee. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, refusing unsafe work. Now, so what is, give me some examples of work that we uh, may be considered unsafe. 
And these issues do come up often, John. You know, uh, you know, may not come up as often for people working in an office, but certainly mm-hmm. people working uh, in uh, some other environment, manufacturing environment, for example. These things can come up very quickly. You're asked to do something. You have concern about whether it's safe. Is it going to hurt you? So it could be anything. It could be working on a piece of equipment that may not be fit to be worked on, maybe some uh, old equipment that doesn't do a, a job well. Uh, you may be asked to work in a specific location that's unsafe, in a specific area or neighborhood that's uh, unsafe. You may be asked to do tasks that you're not qualified to do. You may be asked to operate a machine or or to to climb and and do some work that you're just not comfortable doing. It's not what your experience is in, so you have an increased risk of injury. And if you're in that situation, you do have a right to refuse the work. You don't have the obligation to say, well, no, my employer's telling me I have to do this, so I have to do this. Our laws are clear, and an employee is allowed to refuse unsafe work. So if it's something where i got to uh, you know, climb up scaffolding, I've got to fear heights, man, I can't do that. Well, you have to. It's part of your job. But I've never done it before. Yeah. So first of all, if it's, not, if it's part of your job, one would have expected exactly as you said, you would have done it before. If you haven't done it, and if you have a fear of heights, that actually may make it unsafe. Because if you're going to go up there and, and, and freak out and, and not react well, and you may hurt yourself, you may hurt others. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, unsafe work. So that, is, that could be an example of a situation where you can refuse it, number one, on the basis that it's not part of your job. You've never had to do that. And number two, on the basis that this is something you're not comfortable doing in a good and, sa- and safe way. Who decides if it's unsafe? At the end of the day, the, the, the way that this would have to work, I mean, the ultimate decision is that of the Ministry of Labor. They have uh, inspectors that come in and inspect. But you as the employee have a right to determine unilaterally that something is unsafe. If that, uh, what, what you do then is you have to immediately advise your employer and your supervisor. And once you've refused work, even if they may think that that's wrong, mm-hmm. they have the obligation at that point to inspect, to, do a, to investigate, to see if that's in fact unsafe, to see if they can fix the problem. If they fix the problem or they believe they fixed the problem, it, then the, it turns back to the employee. If the employee feels that the problem is resolved, that employee can go back to work. That employee can then continue working. If the employee still feels that the work is unsafe, despite the employer trying to fix the problem, at that point, a Ministry of Labor inspector is called in. That inspector's job is to investigate the, uh, the, the problem and make a final binding determination as to whether the work is safe or not. More of that coming up. We're talking about refusing unsafe work. I know this comes up in your, uh, your practice all the time, so we'll get to more of those questions. It is 1-855-821-5900. That is Lior's direct number and Lior at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour on the way on AM640 and AM900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900. That is Lior's direct number, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to a, uh, a pile of emails here later on in the show just before we get through our uh, current topic, which is refusing unsafe work. So we've talked about saying, no, I can't do it. You know, Possibly the Ministry of Labor coming in. The fact that your, your employer has to uh, address your, uh, your problem or your... Uh, your refusal to do the work. Now, can an employee be punished for refusing to do uh, unsafe work? The, the number one reason, John, why people are going to still do unsafe work, even though they're concerned about the safety, is they're worried about being punished. They're mm-hmm. worried that the employer is going to hold it against them. And that is completely and totally illegal. An employee cannot be punished for refusing unsafe work. Our laws are extremely c- clear and ext- extremely strict on that. 
Uh, doing that, punishing an employee, is what we refer to as a reprisal. It's illegal. Uh, it, the employer can get punished severely by doing that. Now, some people may th- still feel that, uh, well, they're not allowed to, but they're still going to find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. If you feel that your employer is penalizing you uh, because you've refused unsafe work, you have to immediately get some legal advice. You can contact the Ministry of Labor on those issues. Th- those issues are fine to contact the Ministry of Labor about. You can speak to myself. But an employer cannot do that. Even even the, the the suggestion that they've done that is something that's taken very very seriously. So remember, that is a protection that you have in the law. You can refuse work, and you cannot be punished for doing that. Here's a question that's probably you know everybody's jumping through their phone dying to ask you: Is this now the Ministry of Labor is uh, comes in now? They've determined that the work was safe, but the employee is still not comfortable doing it. Like I'll go back to the thing with heights. Um, can the can the employee do anything? Yeah, and you know that's that's often uh, an issue in most cases. Okay, where uh, we've gone through the process. So stage one, the employee refuses. Stage two, yes. the employer uh, tries to fix the problem. Stage three, the Ministry of Labor comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if still uh, the employee feels it's it's unsafe, at that point there's not going to be a lot of recourse for the employee. The Ministry of Labor is kind of the you know the judge and jury when okay. it comes to a uh, uh, safe work environment. Now. The, if the employee has information that the Ministry of Labor did not consider, uh, maybe they know of people that have gotten hurt on that uh, machine or they know of uh, reasons that the Ministry of Labor may not have been aware of, then they can still raise that with the Ministry of Labor and have them reconsider their decision. But for the most part, uh, the, the, when it gets to the Ministry of Labor le- level, when the inspector comes in and decides that's the end of it, and if the employee at that point still refuses, at that point the employer can uh, penalize an employee uh, and it could even potentially be grounds for termination. So what if this happens regularly and the employer keeps having the employee do the work for which was unsafe? Yeah, so you know we've gone through the process and, and fine, Ministry of Labor comes in, okay, things get fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens again and happens again? What does that mean? Well, at some point, that employee doesn't have to be put in that situation. The employee can say, you know what, now it's become a constructive dismissal. Now it's unreasonable for me to keep going back to work to be put in this situation so that may well be a constructive dismissal, which allows the employee to re- leave work and still get their full severance. Now, I, I never suggest anyone to just resign. I would suggest to people to go through the uh, work refusal process, as I've described it. But if ultimately that's just a short-term fix, uh, a repair, and the employer still keeps coming back to the same issue and keeps requiring the employee to do that unsafe work or maybe other unsafe work, that is absolutely going to be a constructive dismissal. Give me a call at that point, and we can talk about how we extract you from the workplace and still get your severance. one 821 5900 is the, uh, the number right there Lior's talking about. Lior at employmenthour.com. Got Paul writes in, says, I'm, a, uh, I'm on long-term disability, but I've recently been cut off by the insurance company. Uh, my employer is insisting that I come back to work, but I'm still not well. What do I do? Yeah, and you know, very, very common situation. You're, you're, you're sick. You're on disability. The disability insurer then uh, says, well, no, we don't agree with your doctor or we don't have enough information, so we're cutting you off. The employer hears about being cut off and say, ah, well, you must be fine, employee, so come back to work. So this needs to be dealt with uh, from two different perspectives. The first uh, perspective is you actually have to deal with the insurance company, the LTD insurer, the one that cuts you off. Uh, because if you're still sick, if your doctor is still saying you should not be going to work and the um, insurer is still cutting you off, we, we need to deal with the insurance company. As, as you know, my partner, Sivan Tumarkin, uh, he also does the insurance and injury law show on, uh, on, on, on 640 here. Just before us here, yeah. Just before, right? Uh, 
He deals with these matters all the time. So you give me a call, you give him a call. We can help you deal with the insurance company and get them to change their mind so that you can stay on disability uh, insurance until your doctor clears you. So that's number one. That's very important. But vis-a-vis your employer, it's actually even more straightforward. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the insurance company says. As long as you have a doctor's note that says, I can't work, okay, that employer has to allow you to be off work. Full stop. There's no exceptions. Even though the insurance company may be saying something different, if you have something from your doctor, that's what you have to provide your employer. And if the employer still insists that's a human rights issue, that could be considered a constructive dismissal, it's wrong. So all the employer is required to know is that you have a doctor's note that you've provided saying you cannot work. Even if you've been cut off disability, you still cannot be made to go back to work before your doctor clears you. Lior at employmenthour.com is the email address. We're just getting through a bunch of these uh, this week in the show. David says there are rumors that our plant is closing down soon. We haven't been told anything official. Uh, if I find another job and leave, do I get my severance still? Yeah, and you know, fairly common situation. Uh, he hasn't necessarily been given an end date maybe, but he knows that the end is near because the plant's shutting down. And uh, he says, well, why am I going to stay here? I'm going to find another job. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. If you leave before your employment is terminated, you're not going to be entitled to severance. You may have worked there for 40 years. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if the reason you've left is a resignation, you could have continued working, but you've decided to leave of your own, even though the termination would have happened eventually, that is still a resignation, which means you don't get severance. So what many people do in that situation is they may wait till the end, and that point they oh, yeah. get severance. Uh, and now that said, if you really get a great opportunity in the meantime, it may not make sense to wait uh, to to have your employment terminated. But just know this: if you leave because you think your employment is going to be terminated, uh, that's a resignation. You don't get severance. We'll take a quick break. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is Lior's number. You can get a hold of him through email as well. We'll read more of those. Lior L I O R at employmenthour dot com. This is the Employment Hour on AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. When we are not on the air here, you can still get a hold of Lior anytime. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Lior at employmenthour dot com. We'll get to another email. This one from uh, from George says, I was let go for using the work computer for personal reasons. I love Amazon. Uh, Everyone does this and no one said anything to me about it before. Is this legal? Yeah, and uh, something tells me this George may be really a John. I don't know, John. Really? Yeah? Have you been known to use your work computer? No, No, never, never, never. never. John is on the computer while we're doing the show, folks, okay? So, Google uh, incognito <laughs> if nobody knows out there. It's available. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, yes, back to, to George's question. If he's been let go because of that, I'm assuming what he means is he's been let go uh, for cause. Now, let, you know, let's make it clear. Certainly when you're on your employer's time, uh, you're expected to do work, and it's not unreasonable for the employer to assume that while you're here from 9 to 5 or whatever your hours are, you're only going to do work-related things. That's why I'm paying you. That's why you get your salary. That said, uh, a few things. Number one, if you're the, the time you spend online doing personal things, maybe shopping on Amazon, John, uh, if that's not excessive, that's okay. It's expected that something like that would still fall within the realm of, of something that is reasonable. Mm-hmm. So if you're spending, you know, 20 minutes here and, you know, maybe 10 minutes at the end of the day, that's okay. Now, if you're spending hours, they may be very different. So that's issue number one. The other issue is if the employer knows about this, if the employer is known, everyone does this, the employers always turned a blind eye, didn't care, well, guess what? That employer has condoned that behavior, and they can't say, well, now, John, today, I've decided that that's cause for termination, that's not acceptable, and I'm going to let you go. Can't do that. 
What that employer should have done in that situation is say, well, now we're telling you we're going to strictly enforce these policies, and if the employee still did, did it, if George, mm-hmm. George was still online when he was not supposed to, you provide a warning, maybe even two warnings, maybe even three warnings. And if he still continues doing it, he's clearly not getting it, maybe then you can let him go for cause. So you certainly cannot let someone go for cause if they use the work computer for personal reasons, uh, if you haven't properly warned them, if you haven't enforced that policy in the past, if others are doing it, and certainly if the, the use of the computer is minimal. So all those things have to be factored in there. Now, that said, John, if he's using the computer for illegal purposes, if he's watching, or even legal but inappropriate purposes, mm-hmm. if he's watching pornography, even if it's otherwise legal <laughs> pornography. Who would do that? Uh, never. No, no one. Uh, but that, that certainly would potentially be cause for dismissal because that's, that's the type of conduct that one would not accept in the workplace. Someone else can see it. It could be, it could be a problem. But if he's shopping on Amazon or, or you know, maybe corresponding with his wife, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, that would not be cause unless the employer can prove that they've warned him, they've, they've given him opportunities to, to uh, stop doing that. Uh, so I would strongly recommend that George give me a call to discuss this. It boils down to the employer building a case over time. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You cannot Gotta just have decide. ammunition. You cannot just decide, no. today I'm going to care about this, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Severance pay calculator, how does that work? Uh, severance pay calculator. So we've talked already today, we've talked uh, every show about severance, the amount of severance that one gets. And the question always is, well, how much severance do I get? And, you know, I get those emails, I get voicemails uh, every single day. I've been let go, how much do I get? Well, guess what? Uh, if, if you don't get a hold of me live or if you have a question at midnight and at night, uh, you can always go to severancepaycalculator.com. Uh, and find out exactly how much you're owed. You're going to input three things, Mm -hmm. the length of your uh, employment, your age, and your position, and it's going to tell you how many weeks or months you're owed. If you input the amount of severance that you've received, it would also tell you the difference in dollars between what you've received and what you should have received. So it's a great, uh, neat tool. It's uh, literally about 115,000 people already have used it. Uh, We're very, very proud of it. It's the only one of its kind. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that everyone should have. Everyone should have that information available to them. And you can take it with you, too, because we have an, uh, an uh, app for iPad, iPhone, and uh, Android. And don't be shocked. The number is correct. Because you get, you get calls to your office saying, Lior, nice program. Might want to do some due diligence. You're like, no, it's actually correct. Well, we've right? gotten calls like that on the show yep. here live. Someone saying, well, guys, I, I went on the severance calculator, and I've used it, and they told me I should be getting nine months. I think you meant nine weeks. Uh, no. If it says nine months or 12 months or any other amount, that is correct. That is your full entitlements. And by the way, you'll notice, John, that it doesn't ask you for the size of your employer's payroll. We've talked right. about that earlier on the show. It's not relevant. Okay, It's age, position, length of employment. Trust me when I say the amounts are correct. Uh, and if you haven't received what the severance pay calculator says you should receive, that's when you give me a call. Terminationquestions.com before we wrap for the day. So maybe you want to know more than just how much severance you're getting. Maybe you want to know if the termination was legal. Maybe you want to know if what the employer did to you was appropriate. Maybe you have some questions like those folks that sent us emails today uh, have. And you, maybe you're bashful. You don't want to necessarily uh, email me or speak to me right now. You just want the information. Well, go to terminationquestions.com, terminationquestions.com. You can post a question anonymously. Myself or one of the other lawyers in my firm will respond, usually within minutes, and give you an answer. That's it. Just so you have that information. We're not going to contact you. We're not going to do anything. We'll just answer your question. It's completely free. It's very user-friendly, and it's anonymous. Again, we're, we're changing the way people look 
at access to legal information. So I'm very proud of that. And it's been around long enough that now there's a big archive there. So chances are, you know, your question's probably been asked with, with many answers yeah, and explanations. Yeah, I, I haven't right? counted, but it shocked me if there's not at least, you know, 1,500 answers there already. Wow. Yeah. We'll uh, wrap it for another week, my friend. An excellent show. In the meantime, outside of show hours, there's a way to get a hold of Lior. It is easy. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. And as I mentioned throughout the show, we've answered many of them. Email Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour once again on AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.